Introduction to the Victorian Period Officially, Queen Victoria ruled from 1837 to 1901, 63 years, the longest reign of any British monarch. But the period is often seen as running from 1832 to 1901, because 1832 marked the passage of the first Reform Bill, which gave representation in Parliament for the first time to industrial towns such as Manchester, Birmingham, and Leeds, all cities of over 100,000 residents, all cities that had lacked any seats in Parliament. It also granted the vote to many middle-class property holders, still far from universal suffrage and still including only males, but the effect was still to increase the size of the electorate by about 50%. So 1832 is a reasonably good starting place, though once again these period boundaries are quite arbitrary. The term Victorian was first used in 1851 at the Crystal Palace Exhibition in London, the prototype for the World's Fair. Applied to the age, it highlights a fascinating and often contradictory historical period. It marked an astonishing time of technological and industrial progress with many advances in engineering and manufacturing. Examples of technological achievements include photography, the telegraph, and the railway. The first railway line, the Manchester and Liverpool Railway, was established in 1830, and by 1848, only 18 years later, there were 5,000 miles of railroads crisscrossing England, transforming the landscape and standardizing time. This was a time of a rising middle class, yet also a time of unprecedented pollution of the air and water, of great poverty, and of exploitation of the working class, many of whom worked six days a week, 14 to 16 hours a day, which gave inspiration for the political philosophy of Karl Marx. The Factory Act of 1833 outlawed employment of children under nine and limited the work week to 48 hours for children under 12. The Ten Hours Act of 1847 limited the workday for women and children to 10 hours. The Victorian period was a time of great expansion of the empire, with Britain ruling one-fourth of the world's landmass and one-fourth of the world's population, yet also a time of bloody rebellions and wars. The Crimean War against Russia in 1854-56, the Indian Mutiny of 1857-59, and the Boer War in South Africa, 1899-1902. It was an age of sexual repression yet flourishing prostitution, of the idealization of women. And yet prior to the Married Women's Property Acts of 1870 and 1882, married women could not own property, and their individual identities were absorbed by their husbands, the legal term for this concept is coverture. Before 1857, with the passage of the Matrimonial Causes Act, divorce was illegal except by a special act of Parliament. Divorced women 
had no legal right to custody of their children. It was a time of morality and religious faith, with both formal high church and informal low church movements within the Church of England and a growing evangelical movement of Methodists, Presbyterians, Congregationalists, Baptists, and other nonconformist or dissenting sects. But it was also a time of religious doubt, a crisis of faith. The publication of Charles Darwin's The Origin of Species in 1859 only codified the evolutionary theory that had been evolving for a century. Advances in the biological sciences, in geology, astronomy, and archaeology, and the so-called higher criticism, detailed historical analysis of the Bible, all called into question the literal biblical chronology that had been prevalent since the 17th century. The universe was a much vaster and much older place than had been imagined, making the problem of time very complicated. Not only was the human lifespan dwarfed into insignificance by not thousands, but millions or billions of years, in the lifespan of the universe, but technologies such as the railway and telegraph not only standardized time across the country, but led to a perception of anxiety and hurry. Matthew Arnold wrote of the sick hurry of life, and articles with the title of Hurried to Death began to appear. There were genuine concerns about the effect of the speed of railway travel upon the human body. Above all, the Victorian age was a very self-conscious one. There was a prevailing sense that this was a time different from the past, that this was a time of transition, though transition to what was not clear. In literature, the essay emerges to take its place alongside poetry and fiction in importance. In poetry, contemporary social concerns often appeared alongside Greek myths and Arthurian legends, which were very popular. During the 19th century, there was an increasing demand for fiction about contemporary life. In case there could possibly be any lingering doubts, authors often emphasized a novel's modernity in their subtitles. Thus, for example, Caroline Norton's Stuart of Dunleith, A Story of Modern Times, 1851. Wilkie Collins' Basil, A Story of Modern Life from 1852, Charles Dickens' Hard Times for These Times, 1854, Charles Reed's A Terrible Temptation, A Story of the Day from 1871, and Anthony Trollope's The Way We Live Now from 1875. Without attempting to provide an exhaustive list, Richard D. Altick has noted some 107 sample titles of novels from the 19th century that make explicit reference to the characteristics of modernity and or the terms fact and real life, such as a tale or a novel founded on facts, which particular phrase occurs 13 times on one of his lists. In fact, there was a revival of interest in medieval literature, architecture, and arts and crafts. The pre-Raphaelite movement in painting at mid-century is one example of an attempt to bring art back to what was regarded as a purer style, that is, prior to Raphael and the Renaissance. 
the dramatic monologue emerged as a distinct literary form, emphasizing the psychological state of mind of the narrator, who, particularly in the case of the dramatic monologues of Robert Browning, was in an extreme, possibly even psychotic, mental state. Novels expanded into what Henry James called loose, baggy monsters. 800 pages was very common for a Victorian novel, and 1,000 pages was not at all unusual. Many of these novels were published in serial form, either serialized in magazines or published in weekly or monthly parts. Most of Dickens' major novels were published in installment form. Late in the century, in the 1890s, sometimes referred to as the fin de siècle, or end of the age, we see the emergence of the so-called decadent, or aesthetic movement, that recognized the approach of the end of the century and expressed a world weariness and despair, often to be remedied by mindless sensation.